Morning, church. Good to see you here. My name is Travis Bond. I serve as the senior pastor here at MCC. A little house cleaning first. A couple weeks back, I did get a little bit of grief because I started the sermon with a story about porcupines, and I put on the screen a picture of hedgehogs. It was actually a sharp-eyed middle schooler who first pointed that out to me, and then there was just like a pile-on effect from the rest of y'all. So this morning, I got a sermon title that obviously is referencing the Holy Spirit, but that is not a picture of a dove. That is actually a... It's a pigeon, yes. So, lest you develop taxonomic heartburn, (laughs) your pastor doesn't have any idea what animals are which, allow me to explain... And if you are brand new here, we always begin our sermons with a little bit of Norwegian trivia. (laughs) At least we are today. Can anybody tell me who is Roald Amundsen? Shout it out. He is an explorer. Anymore? Anymore? Uh, South Pole. Pretty good. Who said that? Was that you, Bill? That was Scott. Somebody give Scott a high five. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was the first guy to get there. Apparently we got a base named after him. Also, doing a little bit of reading, he was the first guy to traverse the Northwest Passage up above Canada. And he was the first guy to fly over the North Pole. So obviously, a, he's just lived a remarkable life. Uh, anyway, in a book called Symbols of the Holy Spirit, The story is told how on one of his northern explorations, Amundsen um, was delayed, hit all kinds of problems, but he had taken along a homing pigeon with him. And so when he finally reached his destination, after all of these delays and nobody knew where he was or how he was, um, he opened the bird's cage, he set it free. The bird was trained to fly all the way back to Norway so that when Amundsen's wife opened the door of her house and stood out of her front stoop, as it were, she looked up, she saw this bird circling overhead, and the woman fell to her knees and cried out, He's alive! My husband is alive! And I give that story, true story to you, as maybe a little bit of a picture of one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Um, If this is your first time in church, maybe never opened a Bible, first off, glad you're here, welcome. The Bible presents to us God in three persons, Father, Son, and... Okay, so one thing the Holy Spirit does is he shows up. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, he shows up to remind us that Christ is not dead. He is alive. He is ruling and he's reigning and he's caring for us. Signs of that are all around. Not always as obvious as a homing pigeon, perhaps, But when we have the eyes to see, if you you think back for a moment um, about maybe some of the the pivotal circumstances in your life, 
And for some of you, immediately, one or two are coming to mind. If you think through some of the the providential relationships in your life, and immediately, things are coming to mind. Um, That's God. That is God guiding his people, caring for his people. I want to show you one example of that this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts chapter 16. Book of Acts chapter 16. If you're using the Black Bibles, you're going to find this text on page 924. Um, Remember we said back at the start of this series that the the table of contents for the book of Acts, it's back in chapter 1, verse 8. The book is arranged like concentric circles. So you have the Christians in Jerusalem, and then they're in Judea and Samaria, and then thirdly, they're moving out to the very ends of the earth. So now we're in the second half of the book, and we are in that third and final concentric circle. Um, We are now on Paul's, not his first, but his second missionary journey. So from home base in Antioch, we're going to head north up into Turkey, and then from your perspective, we're going to cross over the water, and we're going to hang out in Greece for a while. And it was reading through this history, which was recorded for us by a doctor. His name was Luke. I want you to look in this text for how God, through his spirit, is guiding and leading his people. Acts 16, beginning at the first verse, hear now the very word of our Lord. Paul also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So... Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, 
If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Thus ends the reading of God's word. If you've ever been on a missions trip, short term or long term, the one thing you can always expect is the unexpected. Um, And so the unexpected in this text, it seems to me to be very much on display. Uh, Let me just frame it out this way. If you want to take some notes or if you you like adding a couple of bullets in, we're going to look at an unexpected decision, an unexpected obstacle, and then lastly, an unexpected conversion. So first one, the unexpected decision, if you didn't catch it, is this, Timothy gets circumcised. Now, if you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, that might not be terribly noteworthy to you. After all, the majority of American males are circumcised and save those in the Jewish community, it has virtually no religious significance whatsoever. However, if you have been with us in recent weeks, then you have marched with us through chapter 15, which we, you know, we refer to that as the, as the toll plaza of the book of Acts. Um, uh, Bible scholars tell us that's the Jerusalem council. Uh, the early church there endured this knockdown, drag out debate, discussion, dialogue on whether or not circumcision is a requirement for salvation. And the conclusion of that matter which resounds down through the halls of history, is absolutely not a requirement for salvation. So now we've got Paul, who is in the thick of it there, in the Jerusalem council. Now he's on his second missionary journey, and he's standing on the stage with the microphone, and Timothy's right beside him. And he's saying, hey, he's preaching to the, you know, the various towns and the groups of the people, and he's saying, you do not need to be Jewish to be saved. And Timothy agrees with him. Paul says, we're saved by grace, not by works. And Timothy says, amen. Is justification, Paul says, by faith alone. And Timothy cheers. And by the way, Timothy, we're going to need you to do a little surgery. <laughs> and Timothy says, well, what? Because that's unexpected. That, that Paul the most vocal opponent of circumcision as a means unto salvation is now circumcising Timothy. This is the first time we meet Timothy, by the way. Um, If Paul is 50 years old, Timothy somewhere in his early 20s here. We actually know quite a bit about him. Uh, He was raised in the scriptures by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, uh, two God-fearing women. Uh, He had a weak stomach, but he was not a weak man. He looked young. He was often nervous, but he was unflinching in the face of hardship. Paul would one day write of Timothy to the Philippians, I have no one else like him. You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of of the gospel. So Paul is Timothy's spiritual dad. Timothy's biological dad was a Greek. His mother is Jewish. That's notable, right? So we got a mixed marriage here. But obviously, Timothy was raised Greek because he's never been circumcised. So what does Paul do? He has him circumcised. 
And like I said, if you've come by way of Acts 15 with the rest of us, that's unexpected. Really unexpected by Timothy, I suspect. What's going on here? Well, here's what's going on. It's all about the context. In Acts 15, the gospel is at stake. In Acts 16, hearing the gospel was at stake. And that made all the difference. In this spot, the gospel was at stake. In this spot, hearing the gospel is at stake. Acts 15 is inside the church. Acts 16 is outside the church. Timothy, an uncircumcised man from an ethnically mixed marriage, walking into a synagogue that would have been like you, preaching the gospel at a PETA meeting, wearing a KFC t-shirt. It's just not going to work. It's not a good idea. This unexpected decision was based on prudence, not necessity. Paul was practicing what he would later preach to the Corinthians. Do you remember? I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I got to tell you, I admire Timothy. (laughs) You take my meaning. I really admire Timothy, trusting Paul in this one. And in all seriousness, it does make me wonder. What areas of your life, your comforts, your finances, your preferences, what areas are you, are we, willing to sacrifice so that We might be all things to all people so that by all possible means Medway Community Church might save some. This is what drives us, right? Most mornings of the week, this is what gets me up. That it's not just who's already here. It's really about those who aren't here yet. It's not just about who's already here. It's really about who's not here yet. Paul and Timothy are modeling here what it means to live all of life on mission. So the second missionary trip, it started pretty well. You know, you got this unexpected decision, but for the most part, things are humming along pretty nicely until we hit second header in an outline, an unexpected obstacle, an unexpected obstacle. They were forbidden, I'm at verse six now, by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I don't know what that obstacle looked like, um, but this mission team, it hits another one at verse seven when they try to enter Bithynia. In other words, God keeps blocking their path. Not sure if he was using illnesses or maybe there was physical obstruction in the pathway or visions to team members. Whatever it was, God keeps telling this little team of missionaries that just, they were just trying to be faithful, stop, don't go that way. Stop, don't go that way. 
You pray for God to guide you? Do you? No, God, show me. What, what college should I go to? What, what should I do for a job? God, should I buy a cat? Actually, you don't need to pray about that one. <laughs> Have you considered a guinea pig? I have a discount in my house right now. Listen, I know you people. I I know the vast majority of you in this room, you absolutely want God's guidance in your lives. So do you sometimes get a little bit miffed when he gives it to you? You know, when I was a kid, I thought I'd go to the Air Force. My dad worked up at Hanscom in Lexington, and I loved the honor, living by a code. Um, So I jumped through all of the hoops to get into the academy. I got my nomination from Judd Gregg, who is the senator up in New Hampshire. I got in shape. I could actually chin myself multiple times at this one point in my life. And I was headed to Colorado Springs. And then, on one of the thousand different forms they send you, I marked occasional back pain, having no idea how thorough the military is when it comes to academy recruits. So they sent me down to Naval Station Newport, and they did what I can only assume was thousands of dollars worth of x-rays. And the bottom line was this, at puberty, um, there's these bones at the base of our spine, and they, they fuse together at puberty, except mine didn't. And so um, if they you know, have a sudden impact, like jumping from a high wall in an obstacle course or, or parachuting, um, the bones could slip and cause paralysis. At the age of 18, here's all I heard automatic disqualification from academy service. I will never forget how that felt. In one afternoon, free education, good job security afterwards. And in one afternoon, in one conversation with a doctor in a uniform, that was gone like a breath. The Holy Spirit sometimes works like that. We we, we call it closed doors. Generally, we do not like closed doors. So we look in another direction and maybe the Spirit closes that door too. And if you're like most of us, at that point you just start to get kind of annoyed. Or, Or we get depressed Or we get angry because we don't know our Bibles and our theology is pretty weak. And so now everything is up for grabs. Now we're questioning everything. Does God really love me that this would happen to me? Is God even there after all? Have you, my friend, run into any verse 6 or verse 7 closed doors lately? Might God, in fact, be at work after all? Sometimes we only see it in the hindsight, right? For me, I tremble to think what my life would look like without Sarah. 
God made me for ministry, not the military. You guys know me. Frankly, I have no business pointing guns at anybody. (laughs) But at the age of 18, all I saw was a big fat closed door with a do not enter sign on it. It takes spiritual maturity. It takes eyes of faith to see beyond the moment in the midst of your unfulfilled dream, in the midst of your struggling job, in the midst of your hurting marriage and your wayward kids. Church, the Spirit is still alive in all of it. And He loves you. Doors don't stay closed forever. God came to Paul in the middle of the night. Verse 9, it's not always like this, but it was here. The vision of a man from Macedonia. It's called the Macedonian call. And there's the vision of this man saying, come over and help us. So they did. And wouldn't you know, because God was in this unexpected decision, followed by an unexpected obstacle, it's now going to culminate in an unexpected conversion. That's the, that's the last one and we're out. Unexpected conversion. Team travels from Turkey to Greece. They end up in a city called Philippi. Um, it's a pretty well-to-do city. Roman colony it mentions in the, the text there. Normally, the, the missions team would spend the Sabbath at the local synagogue looking for an opportunity within that synagogue to potentially preach the gospel. Except in Philippi, there is no synagogue. Not even 10 Jewish men lived in this whole city, which was the number of men necessary to form a synagogue. So instead, on the Sabbath, the mission team heads out of the city. They go down by the river. They're looking for a good spot to have a prayer meeting, verse 13. And what do they find? Just a bunch of women. (laughs) And I do wonder if any of the mission team members were frustrated at that point. Right? Because this was first century after all. And supposedly God had been leading them. Supposedly God had taken them to Philippi. And all the city can offer them is a few women. Women can't, they're not, they can't even give credible witness in a court of law. How disappointing. (laughs) But what does Paul do? Well, he did what he always did. He told the ladies about Jesus. Verse 14. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention. So she believed, and she was baptized. She has her whole household baptized. And it's the fine print there in verse 14. The Lord opened her heart. Depending on your religious background and tradition, you can call that predestination. You can call this the end result of election, uh, foreordination, whatever. What you're seeing here is sovereign grace. Christ crucified and risen again, now by his spirit, is drawing this woman to himself. He opened her heart that she would believe. He drew her to himself. And that's how God does it. It's not always as apparent as a homing pigeon circling above the house. 
but God is at work. Maybe an unexpected decision or an unexpected obstacle or an unexpected conversion. Maybe it's the Air Force Academy or the loss of your job or your kid's wedding or your parents' death or a presidential election. God is at work. So do not be afraid. I'm going to leave you with a few words from Spurgeon. Two or three sentences. They're good. He said, There is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe trials, God's people believe sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, sovereignty overrules them, and sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which God's children ought to more earnestly contend than the doctrine of the kingship of God over all creation. For it is God upon the throne whom we trust. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Medway Community Church would love to welcome you as our guest one day soon. Our church family meets every Sunday morning for worship and also offers a wide variety of small group and ministry opportunities. To learn more, please visit us on the web at medwaycommunitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you soon. Washing all my